Okay, let's get it locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV. Uh, however you're listening to us today, if you're walking the dog, if you are uh, on that run, we appreciate you um, for finding us. We ask that you help us. Uh, pass this along. Share it. Uh, share the podcast. Rate us on iTunes. That helps in a big way. So, uh, Joe Oliva spoke this morning on uh, Off the Bench. Coach O was on WWL Radio talking about Central Florida. Uh, Grant Delpit comes up short for the Nagurski, an update on Dave Aranda, um, basketball returning to the Cow Palace at LSU. So a lot to get to here over the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, let's start with um, with Ed Ogeron on uh, WWL Radio, talking about uh, with Bobby Bear talking about uh, UCF and their 25-game win streak. you got to look at last year's bowl game against Auburn. You know, they, they beat a good SEC football team. We knew how good Auburn was. So we're going to respect UCF. You know, Bobby, as you know, when I was at Syracuse, we used to recruit all these players, and they would leave the state. Now you got Central Florida. Now you got South Florida, FAU, FIU. Those guys are staying in state. They're the twos, or maybe the ones in Florida, and they're very good players. So if you missed it, LSU opens as a seven and a half point favorite in the bowl game against Central Florida. Um, one of the things that was very interesting that I thought, um, just in this context, was that Delane Kiffin who is very close with Ed Ogeron. Lane Kiffin was on Off the Bench on ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge on Tuesday morning, and the guys, uh, Jordy and T-Bob, had a good relationship with Lane. And they, uh, of course, Central Florida played FAU, where Kiffin is, so he's familiar with Central Florida. And the guys talked to Lane today, not only about that, but also about his relationship with Ed Ogeron. I thought this was interesting. Really some dynamic offensive players. You know, very explosive, um, off-the-charts Tempo, probably faster tempo, you know, just thinking about LSU's schedule, you know, than anybody they played. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go extremely fast, uh, very much Oklahoma, Baylor-ish system. And um, obviously the quarterback being out, you know, you would think would be a huge difference because he made that thing go. But the other guy obviously played really well last year. I think it was six touchdowns or something. So, um, you know, that side they'll have their hands full. Um, you know, they have they have struggled in the, the back end, especially tackling. You know, you can see that in the first first half of the game last week. So, um, you know, someone asked, okay, could Alabama, could US, UCF play with Alabama? I said, well, they could on one side of the ball, but, you know, the defensive, you know, the defense is, is very different. And obviously that's no secret statistically look at the difference. Coach Ogeron always talks about your friendship, you guys' friendship and the conversations within the season. Um, anything without giving too much information and keeping it personal between you guys, any Temperature you gauge from him during your weekly conversations with Coach O and, and what he was battling week in, week out with this LSU schedule and team? Yeah, I mean, he did a great job this year, and the guys played really hard. And, you know, obviously got the bad penalty call on the linebacker, you know, for the Alabama first half. Mm. Um, but uh, I know he was really down after that game, you know, because it really felt like, you know, they were, they were going to, you know, have a shot to beat him there in Tiger Stadium. And, you know, the place was electric that whole day. And so – he was down, but they, they came back and recovered and, and really got some horrible breaks, as you guys know better than me, in that you know, seven overtime, overtime game. I mean, they, they, that game should have been over long before, so I'm sure that that one was a little bit tough. But he's always, you guys know, he always you know takes about a day, and then he's positive and gets moving towards the next thing. You know, the most interesting thing to me there, and Kiffin talked about two things, talked about Central Florida, then talked about his relationship with Ed Ogeron. The part where he said, you know, could could UCF play with Alabama, he said on one side of the ball, and obviously talking about UCF's offense, you know, with the tempo that they run, and 
that's the thing in this game for LSU that should be concerning because LSU offensively, or LSU, you know, offensively, I don't know if a team that is, uh, look, quite honestly, in the lower half of, of the FBS in every major statistical offensive category, even against a a struggling Central Florida offense, is this an L or defense? Is this an LSU offense that can go score forty in this game? And I don't know that they can. I mean, they went on the road against a really bad Arkansas team that ranked in the triple digits in some defensive categories and struggled to gain some traction. Um, now you have a month to prepare, and I would like to think that the physicality is going to be a different level for LSU. That if they want to slow the game and play ball control and run a power offense, that they could do that. But if they get a situation where they have to score with Central Florida, I don't know that LSU is built to do that. And the other side, so what Kiffin was talking about there was on one side of the football, you know, saying Central Florida could move the ball against Alabama's defense. Well, if Central Florida could move the ball against Alabama's defense, I, I don't think that that gives you great sense of confidence for LSU's defense in that game against Central Florida, especially based on what we talked about yesterday. No Greedy, no Christian Fulton, no Braden Fajoko, and Jacob Phillips is out for the first half of that ball game. So... I think the onus is going to be on LSU's defense and Dave Aranda for the uh, certainly uh, at least for the first half of that ball game uh, to keep LSU in a spot where they can maybe get a lead, play with a lead, and not have to play from behind. Because if LSU ends up playing from behind in that game, that's where that spells trouble. Um, one more from Ed Ogeron, by the way, uh, with uh, Bobby Bear on WWL Radio. He did talk about sort of the difference of the team right now in the regular season from the bowl game. Dynamics of the team changes. Guys go out early for the drafts. Guys, they like not to play. Guys are playing there last year. But I tell you one thing about these LSU Tigers. They're going to be hungry. We do not like the way our season is. we got a bad taste in our mouth. We're going to be hungry. We're going to practice hard. And we're going to play a great game come January 1. And look, I think you know, Devin White's comment that he has unfinished business and why he's playing in the bowl game is evidence of that, and that's probably reflective of the team's mentality right now. A one guy LSU will have is Grant Delpit. On Monday night, they had the Nagurski Award Banquet in Charlotte. Uh, Delpit was one of five finalists. It goes to the Defensive Player of the Year nationally. Uh, Delpit did not win the award. It went to Josh Allen of Kentucky, but still a phenomenal season for Grant Delpit in his first season emerging as a great defender uh, to be a finalist for that award. Typically, you know, you have to have that great breakout season where you're you're a finalist for these awards, where you start to get recognized, and then the following season, your follow-up season, when you go into the season with so much hype, is when you're really in line to win awards. Josh Allen from Kentucky is a great player, and he's probably going to end up as a, a high first-round draft pick and you know, play in the NFL for a really long time. So congrats to Josh Allen, certainly deserving, but also congrats to Grant Delpit, on a, a great sophomore season and one that I think he'll build on in his junior year and probably win a lot of these national awards. Okay, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day. Quick step aside, when we come back, uh, Joe Oliva spoke this morning about a handful of things, and I do want to update uh, Dave Aranda as there's been some conversation about him as a possible candidate for the Utah State head coaching job. We'll get into that. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the 
Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back here, Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, still fighting this head cold, but the voice is coming back, so I appreciate your patience. I mentioned um, Lane Kiffin was on Off the Bench with Jordy Collada, T. Bob Bear This morning, so was Joe Oliva. If you want to hear either of those interviews in their entirety, however you're listening to this podcast, just search 104.5 ESPN. I subscribe as well. That's where all my show podcasts are. But these two interviews with Kiffin and with Oliva are there if you want to give them a listen. Um, the most newsworthy item... Uh, with Joe Oliva today, a very quick uh, bite. The guys asked Joe if there was any talk about a contract extension or raise for Ed Ogeron coming off his second consecutive nine-win season. Well, not yet, but I think we'll probably have some conversations down the road, but we haven't had any yet. He's still not over yet. So the thing to keep in mind, and I have gotten this question uh, from time to time from from some of you, which is, you know, why why do you reward uh, a nine-win season with a raise or a contract extension? And I think it's a very valid question. But the understanding that I think is necessary is that in this day and age, you cannot recruit when your head coach does not have a four- or five-year contract because coaches will negatively recruit you if that's the case. Coaches will say, why would you go play there that administration isn't confident that that guy is going to be their coach. Look, they haven't renewed his deal. When Steve Spurrier was at South Carolina, even as he pushed 70 years old, every offseason they'd say, Steve, how much longer do you want to coach? And every year his answer was, I'd say about four or five more years. And of course, the the significance of that is that would be the amount of time that a recruit would play for him, four or five years. And that's that wasn't realistic, obviously, but it was something that no coach could allow to be used negatively. Um, you know, Les Miles had a clause where if he won eight games, and a year would automatically, you know, roll into his contract, and or they'd have the option to automatically extend his contract by a year and roll over a year. You have to do that for recruiting purposes because teams will absolutely negatively recruit. Look, Nick Saban negative recruited LSU when Pete Jenkins was on staff when they were recruiting Fidarian Mathis, the defensive lineman from North Louisiana, and Nick Saban reveres Pete Jenkins. But they were negative recruiting Fidarian Mathis, saying, you don't know that Pete Jenkins is going to be your coach. He's 76 years old. He's only going to coach a year. Why would you go play for that guy? You don't even know that he's going to be there. So that's the significance of it. But the thing I would tell you, which is more crucial than the years or the total salary or anything, is the buyout. That's the key. Look at Auburn right now. If Auburn wanted to move on from Gus Malzahn this year, they couldn't because they were on the hook for $32 million. Now, I'm sure Auburn's boosters could have scrapped together that coin and paid it, but LSU certainly is in a position to do that. Um, the the bigger I would, I would stress this to any fan whenever you see contracts. Don't look at the total dollar amount. Don't look at the years. Look at the buyout. That's what's critical. How much of, of an escape hatch has the school left themselves? It's similar in the NFL where you don't look at a contract. You look at the guaranteed money. Remember when when Donovan McNabb signed with the Washington Redskins? People were up in arms because he's got like a $75 million contract. Well, like none of it was guaranteed. So it was just it was just barely worth the paper it was written on. If he played and played well, he would have gotten that money. But at any point, if the team wanted to move on, they could. I'd say the same for LSU here. 
extend that Ogeron, make sure that it's it's uh, all copacetic for recruiting, but make sure you protect yourself by not saddling yourself uh, with a massive buyout. A couple other things that Joe Oliva talked about. One was his conversations that he had with the SEC office this year, most notably, of course, with the Devin White targeting rule or penalty of the Texas A&M game. And Joe elaborates here on conversations he had with the league office, but what he says at the end is maybe most important. Listen. Well, I've talked to him a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I've talked to him more than I want to. I'll tell you that much. Specifically after after both of those events that you've mentioned, I – Spent a lot of time on the phone with the commissioner and with Steve Shaw, the uh, head of officials. And, um, you know, I, I, I hate that. I hate that, that we have those kind of problems. But I think, I think that uh, bringing it to their attention and talking about it, I think, um, and I, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm just going to speculate that I believe that there'll be some changes in the way mm. that uh, communication's done and, and the way that they. Uh, explain things from the conference office. I think that those, those days are coming very very quickly. Um, I, I think they realize that they need to be more transparent, and uh, I think they realize that they probably need to communicate a little bit better. So we'll see. Did you hear the word he used at the end? They realize they need to be more transparent, so we'll see. That has been the drum I've been beating for years with the SEC. The NBA calls out their officials if they make mistakes. Uh, The NFL will make it be known if calls are missed. You see officials in booths on TV broadcasts now to clarify uh, certain calls or rulings. you You just have a more educated fan base now because more information is available. It's like the betting public. Betters win more now because there is more information now than there has ever been before. So it's similar here. You, you're you a fan at home watching the game. You can log on to Twitter and you can see what Terry McCauley is saying about something, or you can see 18 different views of, of a play with all the cameras in the stadium or fans that grab video or the media on the sideline that's covering the game that could tweet a picture or a video so you get a different look. Ambiguity, silence is the, is the enemy here. And the SEC has to do a better job of being more transparent. The phrase I'll use is, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. You, How the, the general public fans react to your explanation, you can't control that. But you can give good information and say, hey, look, choose to accept this or not. This is what we saw. This is why it was called the way it was. And I think if nothing else, just that attempt at transparency would be fantastic. One more uh, from Joe Oliva. This is good news if you love to uh, imbibe while you're at uh, sporting events. LSU tried out the shoot this year in Tiger Stadium. Joe Oliva said they had great success with it. You could see more. Well, we got a great response from our fans. Uh, they, they, everything was very positive. In fact, T-Bob were we're looking to try to create a couple other mini shoots around the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm fully on board uh, and, now. <laughs> and I think we're actually trying to, well, I think we're going to create a couple of uh, spots around the baseball stadium, too, where people may be able to uh, buy an adult beverage. So um, I think that's important for our fan experience, for those fans that like to, to have an adult beverage. I think it's, it's good. And uh, we're going to try to keep expanding uh, in our venues around and, and seeing where we can be creative in that regard. Absolutely love it. Uh, if the SEC won't let you um, 
bend their rule or won't uh, uh, concede on on their part, then bend the rule however you can. You want to come up with these premium areas around Tiger Stadium or Alec Box Stadium and allow fans, adults, the opportunity to drink a beer or a glass of wine and have some premium food options. Uh, you're trying to find ways to bring people back to the venues. This is a great way to do it. I love what LSU did with the shooting, getting creative. I think it only gets better. Adding more locations around Tiger Stadium is a good idea. And I think the same for Alec Box Stadium with baseball and whatever else they may be able to add. So I give a, a two thumbs up to LSU on the idea of the shoot, just like last year with the Skyline Club. Um, if the SEC isn't going to bend, then you bend the rules however you have to. Uh, read into that fine print and massage those rules to to be more fan-friendly, especially for your, your paying clientele that are paying a lot of money, that you're trying to figure out how to get them to, to continue to come and stay at games, come early and stay throughout. This is, a, this is at least a start, and I applaud LSU for their efforts. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. Final break, we'll come back. Could basketball return to the Cow Palace at LSU? And uh, your mailbag questions, that's next. So Monday night on his uh, coach's show, Will Wade was asked about if basketball could return to the Cow Palace. That's Parker Coliseum where during Pete Maravich's days, LSU played their home games. The building still stands on uh, the south part of LSU's campus. Here's what Will Wade said on his coach's show. I want to do it. I think it's a great idea. I think it makes sense. I wanted to wear throwback jerseys. I want, we had the whole thing. We had a, we had a grand scheme. Getting all this stuff, we can't put shot clocks in there. And the season ticket holders, where you guys sit? They don't, season ticket holders don't care where they sit. They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out when we get in there. In their defense, I don't think the gym, I don't think the arena is necessarily game ready right now because no. of all the traffic that they have with livestock and other things. But I think it's a great idea. Feel free to email anybody in that administration <laughs> building. He wants to, he wants to email. Uh, if you have listened to me for any length of time, you know that I love novelties. I love when college football will go play a game at Yankee Stadium. I don't watch the NHL, but their winter classic series when they play a hockey match in a football stadium, there is a novelty to that that is appealing. The University of Maryland did this a few years back when they went and played a basketball game in their old arena, which had so much history and tradition. I think this is a brilliant idea. I've lived almost my whole life in Baton Rouge. I've passed Parker Coliseum a million times. Uh, I've been in there maybe once or twice just for different events, um, you know, where they open up the floor and it's you know, like a, 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 a beer party or something like that. But if they were actually able to commit to the resources to a throwback night, to clean up the seating areas, to stack the concessions, stock the concessions, you know, clean up the restrooms... Um, actually have it functional for one day where you can go play a game, or maybe you did it once a year and you wore the Pistol Pete uh, or Bob Pettit era throwback uniforms and they went out there and, and played a game. I think a general admission seating is a great idea. Uh, you Maybe you give your season ticket holders the first opportunity to buy tickets, but it's general seating. It's a smaller venue, so it's not like there's a horrible seat in there anyway. Um I love the novelty of that, and I think you would agree, uh, generate an immense amount of pub if you did something like that. Probably not feasible this year, but if it happened for next year, man, I would be all in. I would, I would buy, I would, I would buy a ticket to go watch that, and that's probably my gauge because, man, I am. Look, I'm a guy who I can get a press pass to anything. I can get credentialed. I don't have to pay money to go watch sports anymore. Um, but I would buy a ticket to that. 
uh, if LSU ended up doing that. So I'm, I am fully, fully, fully on board. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll get to your mailbag questions here in uh, just a quick second. Um, Got to remind you about Sling TV, sling.com slash locked on, S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on for your free seven-day trial. If you've never thought about uh, Sling TV, if you've been maybe thinking about cutting the cord, ditching cable, Sling TV, 30 bucks a month. You don't pay for any channels that you don't want like you do with cable. Uh, cancel any time, no long-term contracts. And you can get a free seven-day trial by logging on to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Sling TV. Check them out. Okay, uh, Locked on LSU. Here we go. Let's get to your mailbag questions. You can always tweet um, at Matt Moscona, M-O-S-C-O-N-A, or at Locked on LSU. Uh, Johnny Lombardi at Johnny Lombardi TV. Did A&M loss unfortunately cost Ogeron SEC Coach of the Year and Delpit SEC Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, I don't think Delpit was going to win SEC Defensive Player of the Year anyway. The A&M loss may have cost Ogeron Coach of the Year. We'll see how it plays out whenever um, we get the SEC awards that come out from the league. Uh, I, um, I'll be interested to see... Um, how the voting went with that. Ogeron would have been my coach of the year considering what he lost, what he had to replace, um, the the job he did against that schedule. But I also understand why you know, Mark Stoops getting Kentucky to nine wins, um, Nick Saban, 16 players in the NFL and turning over half of his coaching staff, you know, six full-time staff members, more than half. Um, I can understand why he'd be there. Kirby Smart as well. I think he had a great list of candidates this year, and you couldn't have gone wrong with any of them. But I don't think the A&M game cost either um, in that situation. Uh, because if if people were going to vote for Ed, they would have done it regardless of what happened in that A&M game. Um, let's see. This is from at Matt JL87. Let's say this is O's best. Vanilla offense, good defense, 9-10 to 10 wins every year, but just a rung below the big boys. How long does that? How long does he get, or does LSU accept that level? Uh, I'm not a fire the coach guy either. He writes, um, I would say next year is going to be very telling. I understand your point, and the reality is LSU was nine and three a year ago. They're nine and three this year, and those nine and threes look very different. A year ago, you had a loss to Troy, you had a thirty point loss to Mississippi State, and you had a loss to Alabama, and then you lose the bowl game to Notre Dame in ugly fashion. Uh, this year, you lose a tough, tough game on the road at Florida a tough game on the road at A&M, and you're shut out at home by by Alabama. Let's see what you do in the bowl. But next year, I think, is is your – if you're at Ogeron, this is it. This is year three. The roster is going to be primarily made up of guys you recruited. Um, you have a non-conference game in Austin against Texas, and right, wrong, or indifferent, people are going to circle that game because of the Tom Herman uh, element of it. Um, Florida comes to you. Georgia rotates off. Vanderbilt rotates on. LSU's going to be a preseason top 10 team. Next year is your year. If if you still settle in at 9-3 and three next year, well, then you got a problem, and that's probably a glass ceiling that you're not going to break through with this staff. And I think that's a fair assessment with everybody you're going to have back and a more favorable schedule. So ask me at this time next year, and we'll have a much more definitive answer. Um, let's see, Tono Anderson at Anderson Tono. Is there any hope based on fact that LSU will take a decisive step forward on offense in 2019? Uh, he writes to fight decisive enough not to beat Alabama, but to mildly competitive against them. Uh, short answer is no. Um, it's it is what did Einstein say? Definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If you run the same offense out there against them again next year, 
um, with the same talent, same personnel, no, it's not going to be any different. So um, I don't mean to be a super Debbie Downer, but I've seen it eight straight times, and I'm not going to pick LSU to beat Alabama until they do and do something different. So, all right, it's going to do it for us. Locked on LSU, your team every day. We appreciate you for being here uh, every single day. Again, like I mentioned at the beginning, do us a solid, man. Pass this on. Uh, If you found it on Twitter, retweet it. If you found it on Facebook, share the post. If you're on iTunes, like us, rate us. All of that helps so, so much, and we appreciate very much you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow for Locked on LSU, your team every day.